Well, if you would, would you turn to Psalm 121? We have been doing, we've been in a series in the Psalms for the past six weeks, and we want to continue that series this morning. This this is a psalm that I have close to my heart. It's also a psalm that gets, <laughs> I heard, hundreds of times because it is a psalm that is actually quoted in The Sound of Music and having two daughters who incessantly watch The Sound of Music. I heard Mother Superior speak Psalm 121 time and time and time again. But rather than Mother Superior reading the psalm to you this morning, I will. Look with me in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever more. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And this morning, we ask that you would use this passage, that you would allow your word to do that very thing for us this morning. May your word be a light to us that we might see your goodness, that we might experience your kindness, that we might have a greater appreciation and awareness for the God who loves cares and protects us. Lord, please help me once again to serve these people I love through the preaching of your word. Lord, may we encounter you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 121 is one of the songs of ascent. Psalms 120 through 134 make up a, in a sense, a song book within the song book of 15 songs of ascent, songs that were sung by God's people as they journeyed on foot to Jerusalem along very rocky paths that were both dangerous physically as well as a danger from thieves. And these pilgrims, these The people of God, and that's who this psalm is about. It is about the the people of God. These folks would travel to Jerusalem three times a year for a great worship festival. Topographically, Jerusalem was the highest point in all of Palestine. And so 
as these folks were making their way to Jerusalem for these great festivals, they were literally ascending physically most of the time. Psalm 121 is known, its its genre is a confidence psalm. We've talked about psalms of wisdom and psalms of lament and psalms of remembrance, psalms of thanksgiving. And this psalm is a psalm of confidence. It is a psalm that is all about the powerful God that cares for us. Over the past week, as we've looked at these different psalms, we've, we've discovered the goodness of God. But in this special psalm, this Psalm 121, it is about the psalmist's experience of God's goodness, of God's grace, and of God's protection. This psalm is one of the most beloved psalms in the Psalter, along with a couple of other psalms. There's not a lot of psalms of confidence, but the ones that are, you would recognize. They're the ones that I think people often turn most to. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, is a psalm of confidence. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, is a psalm of confidence. And Psalm 121 is such a psalm. And it was it was, it was a challenge for me trying to decide which psalm I would use because each one has a distinct view of our confidence in God, the God who protects, and being able to decide which one to use. It wasn't a coin flip. I actually prayed and asked God to show me which one to use. But, but I chose this psalm because it's so simple. And yet it's so profound about how good God is in protecting his people. Now, who wrote this psalm is not known. It's one of those unknown authors. And we we don't know why he looks to the hills as he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills in verse 1. We're not sure why he's looking to the hills. Is it out of anxiety or is it out of longing? But what we do know is that he makes it clear he needs help. This is a psalmist, a man who is in need of help. What we do know is he looks to God as his protector. As you see in this psalm, the word, there are numbers of words that are repetitive and that speaks much to the psalm. it's, It's really instruction for us when the writers use words repeatedly there's a point being made, a very important point. And in this psalm, you will see the word keep used six times. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The son, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in. And then the other word that comes up again and again is the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade. The Lord will keep you from evil. The Lord will keep your going out. And so the 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 psalmist is making a very important point here. Someone 
keeps you. Someone protects you. And that word keep in the Hebrew is the word shamar. And it literally means guardian. That this psalmist is exclaiming and extolling the Lord who is his guardian. The one who guards him well. And as you read Psalm 121, it, you, you can see it's, it appears like there are two voices speaking. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he goes on, he will not let your foot be moved. And so it, it, what's, what's kind of happening here? And it's, it's either there are two voices or I think, and I would agree with some of the commentators that it is in a similar realm to, to Psalm 42 where uh, David writes, why are you downcast, O my soul? He's, he's speaking to himself, which... Um, is not unusual. I talk to myself all the time. Um, at, at least to me, it's not unusual. If you listen to me when I'm doing a word working project, you will hear comments like, you idiot, you should have measured a second time. I remember I was, <laughs> I was, it was, I was living in Georgia and I was the senior pastor of the church in Atlanta and I was, I was driving along and it was a Friday afternoon. I'd been working on my sermon. So I was actually giving my sermon in the car as I was driving and I came to a stoplight and I'm just preaching my heart out in my car. And I look over and there's somebody in my church looking at me and just like, what is up with you? I, you know, this guy's lost it. And, and so I, I understand when, when someone talks to themselves. And I think we all talk to ourselves. And so this, this psalm is this man communicating, I believe, with himself about the goodness of God. And the God who, who watches over him. And it, it's not any God. It is his God, and it is the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. And this psalm is about a man who is longing, I believe, for safety. A man who is longing for safety. And Psalm 121 speaks about that longing being fulfilled. I understand longing for safety. I, a month following my very first trip to India in 1998, a month later, January of 1999, I got a report about a man named Graham Staines and two of his children, his two young boys, who were driving through a, the state of Orissa, which was just next to the state that I had just come back from. And they were in a village. Orissa is a very pro-Hindu state. They were driving through the village. It was late at night. They pulled over to get some sleep, went to sleep in their car, and some radical Hindus came, set the Jeep on fire, and would not allow Graham Staines and his two young sons to exit the Jeep where they were burned alive and died on the mission field serving. A year later, I was back in India driving through that state. And I remember when Yesu Padam, who I was with, the gentleman from India who, whose ministry that I've had the privilege of serving for 16 years, who spoke here back in July, Yesu Padam turns to me as we enter the state of Aris and he says, you need to hide behind the seat until we get through the state. 
And I remember the fear at the moment entering and remembering because he was reminding us about what had happened to Graham Staines just a year earlier. And my first thought was, Marilyn is not going to like this. (laughs) And those are the kind of stories you do not tell when you get home. To say I was uneasy would be an understatement. Like every person, I have a fundamental longing to be safe. And that was my longing as I hid from the eyes of those who I knew would do me harm. Protection by God under his watchful eye is the dominant theme of Psalm 121. And it's the dominant theme of God's care for you. Psalm 121 is not just a psalm for ancient Near Eastern Israelites. Psalm 121 is for the people of God who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Psalm 121 is for you. Verse 2, the psalmist writes, My help comes from the Lord. This wonderful psalm is an acknowledgement that we need help. It's an acknowledgement that we need protection as these pilgrims did on their journey to Jerusalem. They needed protection. And when it speaks of the Lord keeping us, it is because we need keeping. Every one of us in this room needs keeping. So here is my simple proposition statement. Those who seek seek God's protection, will be rewarded with safety. That's the point of Psalm 121. Those who seek God's protection will be rewarded with safety. And three main points this morning. The first one is, who does God protect? The second one, what does God protect you from? And thirdly, how does God protect you? Who does God protect? What does God protect you from? And how does God protect you? Who does God protect? This psalm is about God's protection, his loving protection for his disciples. He protects them in every step they take. From the moment you come to faith in Christ, God is your keeper. God is your guardian. The men and women going up to Jerusalem are the people of God. And just as, as they are making their way to worship God, their, their understanding is this, the journey along the way is not a safe place. The journey along the way is fraught with dangers. Jerusalem was on this topographical high point and making their way up, there were thieves, robbers. There were those who would do them harm. There were, and it wasn't, it wasn't well-worn paths in the sense that it wasn't a highway. It was just pathways where you could stumble and fall. And these men and women were making their way up to worship God. Now, their ascent was not just a literal or physical ascent. It, it really is a metaphor for God's people. It's a metaphor for you and I acting out a life that is lived upwards to God. That we are pilgrims on a journey. 
We're pilgrims on a road, making our way to God, living a life upwards towards God, towards the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 2.3 describes this life in a similar way. Isaiah prophesies, he says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God, the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. We are on, a, we're on this journey like these men and women who were making their way to Jerusalem. And along the way of our journey as believers, as those who, who know Jesus Christ, there are dangers along our way. We need to be kept. And those who sing this song, who does God protect? It's those who are His. Those who sing this song are those who were making their way to worship God. That's, that's not just Israelites. It's you and me. We are the people of Psalm 121. It is a song that you and I are meant to sing to the creator of heaven and earth, to, to the Lord. Because we are God's people. You have been called as God's people. First Peter 2 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were called out of darkness. You were called into God's marvelous light. When you were not loving God. When you were an enemy of God, God became your father. He called you out of darkness. He called. You didn't come. He called. He called your name and he brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He is the one, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of all, spoke to you individually, spoke to you personally, not some grand call, not some massive call, but to you personally, to you individually, to come out of darkness and to come into his marvelous light. And he calls those who have come out of darkness and he calls those who have come into his marvelous light his own. He calls them his children. Jesus calls us his brothers and his sisters. He calls us friends, no longer enemies. That's who the people of Psalm 121 are. That's who we are. We are those who have been born again, those who have been saved by the blood of Christ, those who have come to faith, putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he called us. And not only does he call us, but as we read here, he protects us. God cares for those who are his own. He protects his children because he loves them. 
As Christians, we're told that Jesus protects those whom God has given to him. He will never lose them. No one who belongs to Jesus, has, as he says in the, in the Gospel of John, will be snatched from his hand. We're always going to be his when we come to him. No one who belongs to Jesus will ever fall to evil because Jesus is our shelter and our refuge. Who does God protect? He protects you. He is your keeper. And he protects you individually. He protects you personally. What does God protect you from? Well, in in Jude 24, Jude writes that God is able to keep you from falling. And it, it means that there are things that can cause you to fall. But God is there to watch over you. The psalmist lists a number of ways in which God protects you because there are a number of ways in which we need protection. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He will keep you from stumbling. Sin no longer has dominion over you, Paul writes in Romans. He keeps you from stumbling. Verse 5 The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. He stands beside you in times of trouble and he protects you from trouble. Verse 6, he the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. He, yeah, I mean this, we get that both physically. We think about the sun, the, the hot sun beating down on us and God being our shade and, and back in ancient Near Eastern times, there was this belief that the, you could actually be moonstruck, that you, the moon's rays could have a bad effect on you. It's actually where we get the word lunacy from, lunar, that you could go crazy being under the moon. Sailors used to believe that. Um, I just, all I know about are werewolves that get by the moon, but... I I know this, I, I think we can go deeper and understand that God protects you from trouble day and night, and, and especially night, where we can experience the terror of night. D- don't your problems seem worse at night? Do you ever wake up at one o'clock in the morning and the biggest problem you have just seems to be massive at that moment. This, the darkness all around, the quiet, your thoughts, they're, they're really, really clear. The problem is they're really clear about bad things. I remember a number of years ago when I had to have a biopsy for cancer and I would wake in the middle of the night and it was a two-week period from when they took the biopsy to when they, when they would give me the results and I was convinced I was going to be dead in that two-week period and why couldn't they get the biopsy results sooner and, and I'm laying in bed in the middle of the night and just the overwhelming sense of fear in the middle of the night, the terror of the night. And it was, it was in that time when this psalm actually meant something to me. In fact, Psalm 91, which I didn't choose to speak on, but is a great psalm. 
very much says in verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night. Because why? Because God protects you. And that in the middle of the night, you're not alone. God is with you. In the middle of the night, the terror that seems so real is not as real as the God who called you into his marvelous light and who loves you and has promised to protect you because Jesus has redeemed you as a child of his and God protects his own. Verse 7 says he will keep you from all evil. That's what he protects you from. Satan will have no power over your life. He will, in fact, keep your life in verse 7. And he will watch and keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. These are wonderful things to be protected from. What a wonderful promise of God that he is going to protect you. He's going to protect you from stumbling. He's going to protect you from trouble. He's going to protect you day and night. He's going to protect you from evil. He'll keep your life. And yet... Is this really true? Because I have actually, I've stumbled. Where was God? I have been assaulted by evil. Where was God? I have had anxieties and fears. Where was God? I've had pain and suffering. How does that, where, that, how does that connect? Here, the psalmist is telling us the promises of God that none of these things will happen, and yet they have happened, not only to me, but to you. So, how does this work? Was, is this just a mistake of Scripture? Or is it just a hope? Maybe that this could happen. Because our experience tells us something very different. As Christians, we do suffer and have pain and heartache and enemies and fears and anxieties and many other troubles. So what does it mean when the psalmist tells you he will, God will protect you from evil? He will keep you. He will guard you. What, what does it mean knowing that you are experiencing? I mean, in Psalm 91, which I could have spoken on, in Psalm 91, it says here, he says the terror, he, said he, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from deadly pestilence. No fear of terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence again that stalks in the darkness. A thousand is going to fall at your right side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Really? <laughs> really? I was, I was at the hospital the other night. Danny Sutton's son Noah was struggling with croup and breathing and I'm sitting in the waiting room and this man about 10 feet away just suddenly just throws up on the floor and I'm thinking Ebola. 
pestilence. I'm a dead man. Really? Does, does God protect us? Well, I believe he does. Because God's word is true. And it is right. And it is good. And God is God is true. So, so what does this mean? I, ultimately, I believe it means that God protects us not from hardship, but from the effects of judgment because we have come to faith in Christ. That God protects us from his judgment, that we are no longer under his judgment for our sins, that Christ has taken away that judgment. He has paid the price for our sins. His blood has made atonement for us. Jesus was our substitute. He took all our judgment. And yes, we live in a sin-scarred world. And we experience the ravages and the effects of that sin-scarred world. But we do not experience the ultimate judgment for sins and the ultimate effect of sins, which is God's judgment and wrath and separation. God protects us from judgment. The greatest evil of all is from Satan and sin and death and the judgment that comes with that. And God protects us from that. Your foot will read this as a believer. Your foot will not be moved because God has secured your salvation. You, you will be kept on your right hand, his, his shade on your right hand, because God is standing beside you. No trouble will overcome you. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. There is nothing in creation that can overcome the protection, the guardianship of God. Nothing. No Ebola. No government. No sickness. No evil. The Lord will keep you, he says here, from all evil. And really, in a sense, the greatest evil of all is the rejection of God. And we've been saved from that. We've been redeemed from the judgment that comes with that. What greater protection can there be than from the judgment of God? What greater joy can there be than to know that Jesus has died for your sins and defeated Satan and sin and taken your judgment and promises to protect and preserve you forevermore? You, you just, you see all the doctrines of grace in this six, seven, eight verse psalm. He will protect your going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore, there is wonderfully, that's perseverance of the saints, an eternal security. Yes, evil does happen to you. Pain and suffering and persecution are very much a part of the Christian life. Luke, 16, Luke 21, 16 says this. Jesus is speaking and he says, you will be delivered up. 
even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. Not a hair of your head will perish. That's Psalm 121. The Lord is your keeper. You will never perish. He will watch your going out from this time forth and forevermore. Not a hair of your head will perish. Derek Kidner, in his commentary, said it simply. He said, to be kept from all evil does not imply a cushioned life, but a well-armed one. A well-armed one. God is the one who arms us because he's the one who protects us. God promises to protect you from any evil that tries to separate you from his love. Romans 8.38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does God protect you from? Ultimately, he protects you from judgment. He protects you from the evil that would try and separate you from him. And he promises you will never be separated from the love of God. Where do I look? I don't look to the hills. I look to the hills. What's there? No, no, I look to God. That's who my help comes from. The point of Psalm 121 is not that we will not have hardships, but that God will keep us safe as we go through them. That's the point of the psalm. His protection is promised for both now and in the future. Look, look at uh, verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. But then he moves into the future. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. We have a God that is not only with us in the present, he is with us in the future. That's what God protects us from. How does he do it? Well, Hebrews 13 tells us, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There is never a moment that God's presence is not with you. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee? God is always with you. He is our ever-present help in time of need. He's always there. And, and this is how he describes his ongoing promise of always being there. He who keeps you, verse 3, will not slumber. And then he, this is what is known as parallel, parallelism in the Psalms where they repeat 
to make an even stronger emphasis. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And I, I'm, I'm studying this and I'm looking and saying, now, what is the difference between slumber and sleep? I think the big difference, slumber is what people sometimes do during a Sunday message. <laughs> sleep is what I do late at night. <laughs> Either way, whether dozing or fully asleep, God never does either. God, that's because that's his nature. God will never do either of these things because his nature won't allow him. He's omnipresent. He's always present and he's omniscient. He's always knowing. You can't be always there and always knowing if you're asleep. (laughs) That's the nature of God. He is always keeping you. That's how he protects you. In other words, he's always guarding you. He is your guard on your right side. Alexander the Great was once asked by someone why he slept so well on the battlefield when they were at night and they would raise their tents and the battle would have been going on and then they would sleep at night. And he said, and someone said, why, why do you sleep so well? And he simply said, because I have Parninio guarding me. He had one of his great generals standing by his side as he slept. He never worried. We have God. We have God by our right side, guarding us, keeping us. He guards us from all evil. He guards us from all kinds of trouble. And he's on our right side. That's the picture of God just standing here, right here, God guarding And I, I love the, he keeps your going out and your coming in, whether that is going to work or going shopping or coming to church on Sunday morning, or he keeps your coming in from the moment you were born till you're going out the moment you die. God has been with you, always faithful. No, no stories today, but I could give you story after story prior to coming to faith in Christ where I should be dead. Where I should have not lived. And I mean harrowing experiences and physical injury where I should be dead. And yet God, because I was chosen in eternity past, who called me to himself, has guarded my life from the moment I came into earth until I go. He will be with me. Now, what's our application for this psalm? What what can we take from this psalm? You need help and protection from something greater than yourself. Remember one of my medical team trips to India. 
one of the one of the individuals on the team won't say if it's a doctor or a nurse one of the individuals on the team, we would all have antibacterial hand gel. And you know that stuff that you put on all the time. And I'm addicted to it just because I like its smell. But I, I actually do use it. And, and in India, it's really a place to use it. But I remember I walked in one morning prior to us getting in the Jeeps and heading out to the villages. And there's one of these individuals, doctor or nurse, just putting it on their arms and their legs. I'm thinking, they're just crazy. What? What is this? It's like sunscreen. They're just putting it on. And, and you know, in, in a sense, that's, that's the human effort to try and protect ourselves. Like a, a sunscreen or a sin screen. We just cover ourselves from somehow how we can protect ourselves from sin. The psalmist is acutely aware that his protection must come from something greater than what the world can provide. Look at verse 1. The psalmist writes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Does it stop there? The psalmist didn't just say his help comes from the Lord only, but he added it comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Why? Because your help comes from the only one who can give you help, your creator. Our temptation can be to look to created things for help, to the hills. What more greater fortress do we see described in Scripture than mountains? And here, the psalmist looks to the hills and he knows the hills aren't what's going to protect me. Creation is not what will protect me. It's the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And here's the application question for today. Do you look to creation for your protection? Where do your eyes look when you're in trouble? What created things are you tempted to look to? Is it money? Is it science? Is it government? Is it people? Is it a change of circumstances? Here's the point. If if you're looking anywhere else other than the Creator, if you're looking at creation for help, it will not come. The point is that we look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We look to the one who has given his life for our lives. We Look to the one who has taken our judgment that we are no longer un- under judgment. We look to the one who, who said to, to the, when you read in Matthew, oh, he looks to Jerusalem and said, I want to take you under my wings like a, like a mothering hen to her chicks. And that's who Jesus is. He takes us under his wings. Read the Psalms, and throughout the Psalms, you will see time and time again the, the metaphor of the wings being under the wings of God. Psalm 91, which I've referred back to, is another psalm 
of confidence that guides us to where we must turn to when we're in trouble. Let me read just a few of these verses. Verse 91, verse, I'm sorry, 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow. Excuse me. Abide in the shadow of the Almighty. My refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. Look at verse 9. It really speaks to what Psalm 121 means to us. Because... You have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Oh, I love this psalm. Look at 14 in 91. Behold, he who holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 121, I look to, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is a sweet psalm. And it's a sweet psalm if your eyes look to the Lord. But it's a bitter life if you look elsewhere. Let's, brothers and sisters, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's pray. Lord, we do desire to have our eyes be fixed upon you. Lord, thank you for guarding us. Thank you for this promise in Scripture that we will dwell in the shelter of the Most High, that Jesus, our brother and our Savior and our friend, protects us, is always with us, has will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, thank you for these promises. Now, Lord, may every person here not just today, but in the days and weeks ahead. May they dwell in the meditation of this psalm and experience the loving promise of the God who loves them. In Jesus' name, amen.